Awaken my thoughts, O Lord. You know, when I was at the School of Prophets, like I said to you, for those who were there uh, on the night, on the first night, I'd been struggling what to speak, uh, and I turned left and I turned right, and the Lord said to me, what are you trying to produce a different way for? Keep on speaking, because this what, what I'm saying through you is what I want you to say and need you to say, so keep on saying it. So I went back and I, and I talked about the apple tree, do you remember, yeah. on that first night? And it's interesting because... Um, it's amazing how many people came for the altar call afterwards. And yet, in the questionnaire that many people have, have responded to, thank you, uh, it's amazing how many people alluded to that first night. So it's good that people, uh, one, I obeyed, because my obedience is the key to other people coming into what they need to come into. Amen? So this whole, this whole season of coming awake is what the Lord is speaking to us. Coming awake, and we come awake in many different ways and in many different parts of our spirit. Hello, we come awake differently, uh, different parts of our uh, nature, spirit, mind, thinking, soul has to come awake. We don't come awake all at once. Have you noticed when you wake up in the morning, you don't fully come awake, dear? You, you open your eyes, but all your faculties are not there yet. You need time to adjust, maybe after two coffees, or if you smoke a cigarette, or whatever it is. People need conditions before they come awake. It's got to be either a piece of toast, or I've got to have my breakfast first, or whatever it is. That's just flesh and blood in the way. Yes? But, you know, if there was a fire, you certainly would get up, and you'd be awake. Yes. So it depends on what circumstance behind you, Wakes you up. Some things, if, you, if I leave you to wake yourself up, you don't come awake until dinner time or lunch time. For other people, they're awake straight away. As soon as I wake up, I sing. That's my way of, of waking me up and everybody else up. And uh, anybody who knows me, shared a room with me, knows that is the case. Revelation 3.2. Let's just read this scripture. Let's just take the first word, wake up. He starts with, Wake up. So when you, when you hear God say, wake up, what do you think he means? Wake up. Okay, I'll come back to that in a minute, what it actually means. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Wow. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Wow. Wow. Remember, therefore, what you have received. This is Revelation chapter 3, verse 2. Therefore, remember what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you don't wake up, there's a warning. If you don't wake up, I'm going to come like a thief. And you will not know what time I will come to you. Wow. You have a few people in the dream center who have not soiled their clothes. No, it doesn't say the dream center in your Bible, but I'm making this contemporary. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the Lamb's Book of Life, 
but will acknowledge him therefore before my father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So whatever this message is being read out for us, the church, if we put this on the radio, or if we put this on TV, anybody who's listening would be churches. But to the individual, it's a church. Does that make sense? So we are speaking to the Dream Center this morning. So we're not just speaking to the churches, we're speaking to you, the church. Yes, you're the church. So wake up means come to attention. Be alert and be consciously conscious. When you're awake in the morning, you need to be consciously conscious that you're awake. Yes? Have you noticed the kids, when they get up in the morning, they bump into things, they're not not sure if they're awake or they're asleep sometimes, and you have to remind them to keep speaking to them and hopefully try and bring them around into full consciousness. You ever seen that? Were you children? Hello? Have you never had children? Strengthen what remains. In other words, give attention, give effort, And some detail to certain areas. Give attention, give certain detail to certain areas. We've all got areas in our lives that need to be awoke. Hey, I'm preaching better than you're responding. I've got areas in my life that need attention, constant attention. You have. I'll let you work out what's yours. I know what's mine. Of your spiritual life, your physical life. Area where, areas where God has made a good deposit inside of your life. You need to keep those areas alive and active and awake. Amen? And then he says, strengthen what remains and is about to die. That's alarming. There are some things about to die. So in other words, he needs us to be fearfully conscious... That you need a reawakening in some areas. I need a reawakening as to certain areas of my life. I know that in my walk with God, certain areas I can become numb and dumbing and desensitized very easy. One of those areas, let's just, if someone says something or does something to you that you don't like, you can easily cut someone off and become desensitized to that person. So easy. To do. So we have to be very careful that when God puts things into our lives, God wants us to come alive. The whole spirit, the whole body, God wants to be kept alive. Amen? Amen? And then he says this, I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Now that is very alarming if I heard God say that to me. Tony? I have found that in your life there are certain deeds that are incomplete in my sight. That means if there are certain areas in my life that's incomplete, how do I get them to the point where they can be completed? Yeah? I don't want to miss out on those things. And I've... I found, realized, I should say, in my life, there's still much more work to be done inside of me. 
He who began a good work will carry it on, will see it through, providing you allow him and walk with him and work with him, he will bring it through to the day where it's completed. God started a project and he will finish it. But he needs your attention and he needs you to be awake so he can do it. Some, op- some operations, when my father had his knee operation, they kept him awake. I don't know if I fancy the idea of someone, a doctor hitting me with a hammer and chisel and I'm awake. Some women have said that when they've had babies, they, can, they, they, they come awake. You know, you know the ones who have, um, section. section, sorry. I don't know if I want to be awake. Just put me to sleep. Do what you've got to do when I'm asleep. Let me wake up. No, they've got this idea that they want you conscious for some operations. And I don't like the idea of that. And God needs you awake for some stuff, and God will do some things when you're asleep. Yeah? That's the nature of God. He'll do some things when you're awake. Why? Because he wants you to work with him, and he wants you to see what he's doing and why he needs, it needs to be done. And other things, he's not going to ask for your permission. He's just going to do it, and I'll show you that in a second. He says, I'll come like a thief in the night, and you could miss it. Wow. That's a frightening thing to know that God could come back. Jesus Christ could come back like a thief in the night. He's not a thief. He said like a thief. He's using an analogy. There's only one thief in the Bible. That's the, that's the devil. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that you have may have life. He says, I could come like a thief. He didn't say, oh, I'm going to be a thief. I am the thief. Because you're asleep. Read the parable of the virgins. But you were awake. See, the thing is, we're asleep to our spiritual needs, but we are awake to the needs of the flesh. And God says, one of them will kill you. The other will give you life. The problem with us Christians, we're so self-centered. Do you know that? We're so self-centered many of the times. I don't want God to come and I miss it. You know, God's come many times in this church and many of you have missed it. Me also. That's not, that's not the type of coming. He's talking about the second coming here. Yeah. But there's times when God has done something in our midst and many of us have not been aware of it. Surely I was in this place yeah. and I was not aware of it. That's what Jacob said. Yeah. And then he says, he finishes it off. He who has an ear. Who's got ears? Yeah. So ears don't mean anything, do they? Because if they don't function... They're just cosmetics. Inside the ear is a mechanism that allows you to hear the sound, but inside your head is a brain that allows you to process and understand. True? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. That's a warning to us. So he he or she who has ears this morning, anyone got any ears? Now I know you're hearing the sound of my voice, but are you hearing the Spirit behind the voice? Because God is speaking to his church by his spirit. So we're told. Many times in scripture we're told to listen to what the spirit is saying to the church. Yeah? So the church is the pertinent place. We're told, be careful what you hear. We're told, be careful how you listen. We're told, be careful who you listen to. We're told to be careful what you think on. So how, how many would you agree that attention 
needs to be given to your life. To who you hear, what you hear, who you listen to, who's telling you the information, what they're telling you, is trying to keep us awake because he knows there's dangers and toils out there. There are people and forces trying to take your life in a very, very different direction. So he's trying to tell us, you've got to be awake so that you know when the wrong person is speaking, when the, when the wrong voice is being heard. Because these voices and these spiritual forces can drag people into dark places. Yeah? And ultimately, these voices and these forces will put you to sleep. And when you're asleep, you no longer have a consciousness to God and his voice. Very subtle, very powerful. So he's saying, look guys, keep awake, be careful who you listen to, how you listen, be careful what you think on. Why? Because I need to finish this work in you. And I need you to finish some work for me. Yes, key thing there. I do a work in you as you do a work for me. I do a work in you as you do a work for me. That's why it's the working out of your salvation. As you work it out, God works in. And then what you work out is what he's working in. Does that make sense? That's, called, that's why it's called a good deposit. Anyone who is it, uh, Matthew 13, 19 says, says, Anyone who hears this message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. And what was sown in his heart is lost. Wow. How many of you know understanding, I should say, under, understanding is the benefit of listening. If you, under, if you listen, you understand. If you keep listening, you understand clearer and clearer and clearer eventually. So listening is the key. Hello? You listening? And if there is a lack of understanding, if you don't get understanding, if you keep listening to something you don't understand, eventually you switch off. And when you switch off, you become dead and unconscious in that area. You know, when they try to teach me maths at school, it's like, tell it to someone who cares. Yeah. Just didn't want to learn maths. Just didn't want to learn tech, uh, tech drawing. But I love games. What do they call it now? Don't call it games now, do they? What do they call it? Sports science, is it? Or sports education, yeah. Put a ball at my feet, that's all I needed. It's the only education I needed. So... How precious, Psalm 139, 17 says this. How precious to me are your thoughts. Oh God, how vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. When I awake. The key there is when I awake. When I awake... Are your, precious, are your thoughts precious to me when I'm awake? When I'm asleep, I don't give them a second thought. But when I'm awake, how important are your thoughts to my life? 
It's amazing. We want to hear the thoughts of the newscast reader. We want to hear the thoughts of the, the local radio station. We want to hear the thoughts of the sports editor or whatever. Flicks your switch. We want to be informed about so many things because we see them as being important to the everyday of life. And yet, to hear God's word and to, to count them as something special, then I need to be awake and I need to value them in my life. And the writer says, straight away, he says, how precious to me. He's writing, he's making a personal statement. He didn't say, how precious are your thoughts. He said, how precious to me. He's discovered something about these thoughts that make them precious to him. You and I are on that discovery so that we can realize that these thoughts, to a lot of people in our society, these thoughts mean absolutely nothing. Our Bible is old, it's outdated, it has no place in society anymore, but yet for a, a good percentage of us, that's not true. It's the minority telling the majority that it's no longer relevant. I'm sorry, but there's still a lot of us who believe they are. The trouble is, the majority are asleep. And they won't wake up and tell the minority, hey, shut up. Don't speak for me. Your word is precious to me. And you're, not only say, not only do you say how precious are your thoughts, how vast is the sum of them. In other words, there's a whole library of them. It's not just what's in the Bible. God speaks other things to us as well. He gives us wisdom. He gives us understanding. He gives us knowledge. One thing he said, but two things, three things you may have heard. God's unlimited. So his thoughts, if you really do play with his thoughts and love his thoughts and want his thoughts, you'll realize just how precious they really are. I could not have got to where I am in my life without his thoughts. Would I to count them? Well, I wouldn't count them. Why? Because I know they're too vast. They would outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake, I am still with you. And those thoughts are still with me. So I love about God's word. He doesn't go stale if you're awake. But if you go to sleep, it goes stale. I've come to see that there's great power and importance in fixing my mind on godly thoughts. I really have. For the more I think... On God's thoughts, the more my spirit comes alive. Sometimes it's like, God, stop, 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 stop. I can't get it all down. You're speaking to me on different angles so many times. I don't know if you've ever been there, but sometimes it's like, whoa, whoa, just calm down a minute, God. I can't compute it all. And I cannot think without singing. That's just the way I'm made. I sing my thoughts. It's true. I wake up in the morning, I get a thought, I start singing about it. It's just the way I am. You may, may hum, you may not sing, you just may write, you just may think, silently think. I've got to sing. Something, it's therapeutic for me to sing. I don't care if you don't like it. I don't care. To me, that's my release valve. Once I start singing, I'm awake. I know I'm awake. And I've just got to make a noise. It's 
just me. And Phil often says to me when we're in Malaysia, it's not singing, it's just a noise. I say, well, it's a joyful noise. <coughs> but the trouble is, the moment I awake and I start singing and I start thinking, then I have to move from singing to writing. It's just the way I am. I've got to write my thoughts down. There's something about me when I write my thoughts down and my eyes see them, it's now proof. Just as faith comes by hearing, for me, writing my thoughts down tells my brain these are real. So from a noise, an internal, I then put them out on paper and then they come back into me. And that's the way it works for me. You find your own way. When you place great value and ability on something, the luxury of those thoughts can take you to many, many places. I love the luxury of the thought. I love thinking on God's word. I don't always get the understanding. I don't always get the insight. But I do think about it. Not as much as I should do, but I do. God's word to me has become his primary voice. It has. It's become his primary voice. I know that's the voice I need to hear. Because there are many voices surrounding my life. Many noises and voices. And yet there's only one sound I really want to tune into. Amen? I believe God wants this for us all. He wants us to be guided, guarded and governed by his word all the time. I didn't say you can't have other thoughts. I didn't say you can't think about other things. I just said the primary. Yeah? Find a place. Find a time. Sometimes, and this this verse has, has, has often come to my mind. When I sleep, it's possible that my heart can be awake. I've experienced that many, many times, that when I'm asleep, my heart is still awake. How many of you know that? And I've discovered that God has been, I'm going to say very carefully, I don't want to put the wrong idea. When I'm asleep and my heart is awake, God's been intimate with me in the night with my heart. Say that very carefully, because I don't want you getting the wrong idea. My heart has been awake. My body's asleep. My heart is awake to him. So God, because he sees my heart awake, God is intimate with my heart in such a way that when I awake the next day, I feel the benefits of that intimacy in the night. For some of you, they say, what is he talking about? It's a spiritual dimension. You think when you go to sleep... Everything goes to sleep. That's not true. Because we are spiritual beings. The spirit is awake. Right? And God can say things and deposit things into your heart when you are physically asleep. So when you wake up, the first thing you wake up with is his thoughts. Where did you get those thoughts from? Him. He drew near to you in the middle of the night. And was intimate with your heart and he touched your heart. So when you woke up, the first thing on your mind is what was the last thing he said and did to you. Amen? Does that make sense? Some of you I don't know what he's just said. Well, you listen to this MP3 again and ask the Lord to make it clear to you. Paul says if at some point you think differently, ask the Lord and he'll make it clear to you. I'm telling you, that's what's happened to me. And it happens to me quite often. 
Why? Because my brain goes to sleep. My body needs to go and get charged up. But my spirit is still awake. I didn't switch that part off. You think because you're not consciously awake, everything's dead. Or powered down. No, it's not. No, it's not. So under the apple tree, I love this verse. It's really, really flicked my switch. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 5. Under the apple tree, I roused you there. Your mother conceived you. There she was in labor, gave you birth. And then he said, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is stronger than death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It's a very powerful verse, that. It's worthy of our thinking. Lord, why would you put that in there? What are you speaking to me? What revelation, what insight? If your thoughts are precious to me, Lord, give me some thoughts about that verse. And how does it apply to me and you in our relationship? Teach me, O Lord. Give me understanding. Because every verse in this Bible is for my benefit. The only difference is between some verses and other verses that I have an insight or a wee bit of understanding where other verses I haven't got a clue what you're saying. And Lord, you need to show me and guide me by the Holy Spirit because it's there for my benefit. How many of you would agree with that? It's all part of me coming awake. The more I think about his words, the more I can come awake internally. But if I don't give room for his thoughts, if, all the, if the only time you give thought to God's word is on a Sunday hearing someone's voice, it's not enough. Because you can only remember a small bit. Our retention's very poor. Once I understand that Isaiah 54 comes into play, under the apple tree, the sovereign Lord gives me an uns. Listen to this verse, Isaiah 50, verse 4. The sovereign Lord has given me an an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. Right. He wakens me. But what was there before, he awakens me so I am now conscious of what he's put in me. Yes? Does that make sense? He awakens me. He allows me to wake up every day. Thank God for that. He's the one who gives me the breath. So he awakens me to say, and then it's almost like there's, there's an internal answering machine message that says, you've got mail. You've got mail. And it keeps flashing until... I become um, conscious of the fact that I've got mail. And as I open up, I can see that God's left a message for me through the night. Hello? So at the moment, if I give that attention, that will then begin to open up and set my day. That begins to set my day, and that begins the word for the day that I can begin to focus on and move towards. Am I speaking to the right people this morning? Am I speaking to Christians or just listeners? Try it out. <laughs> there, is no, there is no tobacco that does this. So I go to sleep. 
My body's asleep, my spirit's awake. Everybody understand that? Right. And then, once I understand that, I understand Isaiah 50 verse 4. The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. When I'm in bed the other night, I'm thinking about what I'm going to speak about this Sunday. I'm tired, like you. Now, I don't choose the place, I don't always choose the place of my creativity. Sometimes creativity chooses me. You can be on the toilet. What, does God speak on the throne? No, on the toilet. Right? Does God speak? Yes. God doesn't wait. He'll speak anywhere, anytime, any place. Okay? And sometimes, just as I'm going to sleep, I'm putting my head on the pillow, Carol's snoring... No, Carol won't snore. Poetically. As Carol's asleep, all of a sudden, thoughts come into my mind and he's like, do you expect me to get up now? No, Mr. Bond. <laughs> I expect you, all I'm going to do is leaving you a message. What you do with it is up to you. Now, if I show myself irresponsible, how often do you think God will keep speaking to me? So if I show myself responsible, so I had to develop a technology... Or I'd never go to bed. And I've developed what I call the internal envelope method. So I had, God gave me five things to say to you this morning. Five things to say to you this morning, just as I'm about to sleep, seems an awful lot. Hang on, I've got a book at the side of my bed here, and a pen so I can write in the dark. Why? Because it doesn't have to be neat, does it? It doesn't have to be neat. I'll have to do that, do that. And, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll work. I think I know what that means. But what I've done now is I put these thoughts, and I see these thoughts going in an envelope. And I close the envelope and go to sleep. Right? And when I wake up the next morning, the envelope gives me a nudge on the inside, and it wakes me up, and it says, you've got mail. Remember these thoughts you left in overnight? And those five points come to me the next day, and I can write them down. Why? Because I've realized if that's the way God speaks, God's given me an ability to remember what he speaks and capture what he says. That's important to me because how precious to me are your thoughts. If your thoughts are so precious, where's your action to prove that? Ah. I can't be saying, oh God, your thoughts are precious to me. He says, you're lying, Tony. Why? Because I spoke to you just before you went went to bed. Well, couldn't you speak to me when I was downstairs? Yes. But I got your attention when you was on your bed. When you were watching Sky News or Sky Sports or Christian TV and you were throwing stones at it because you're so frustrated, I couldn't get your attention. But as soon as you lie down in bed, your mind is open. So I had five five things and I've, I've developed this way. Why? Because I want to prove to God that his thoughts are precious to me. Enough to capture them and write them down. Hello? So in Isaiah 54, sorry, Psalm 45 verse 1, he says, My heart, listen, so when I now wake up, I capture, my heart's asleep, so my body's asleep, my heart's awake. The next morning, he awakens me to tell me what message is in there. Then I get to Psalm 45 verse 1, My heart is stirred by a noble theme. And I recite my verses for the king. My My tongue is a pen of a skillful Writer, so with these verses you can see from being in bed, to waking up, to now doing something, there is an action required 
You can't say your thoughts are precious to me if there's no action behind it. True? See, if I listen to Carol, how many of you know in our communication and relationship, listening is only one aspect. But if I never do anything with what I've listened to, true? The other, the other night, she says to me three times, I finish work at this time. What did I do? I'm in the office writing. Hello, honey, where are you? Oh, I take it the fact that I forgot something. Okay, go and sit in McDonald's, honey. Get yourself a drink or whatever. I'll be there in 10, 15 minutes. So you drive up all sheepishly, but there's enough love in the gas, in the tank, to say, hey, it's still quicker than walking. Still quicker than getting the bus. But I apologize, and we're all loved up. We can do that every now and then. Every now and then. Doesn't happen often, does it, babe? See? My heart is stirred. When was the last time your heart was stirred by a noble theme? That will tell me whether your heart is awake. Come on, when was the last time your heart was stirred by a noble theme, a royal theme? Yeah? I, and then he says, what? Well, once my heart is stirred, I recite my verses to the king. For my tongue is a pen. Of a ready writer. And what the, remember that song we used to sing? And what the Father gives to me, I'll sing. I only want to be his voice. Oh, it's an old song that is. I only want to glorify the King. Dear me. Some of you are thinking, what are they smoking? It's called Holy Ghost Choruses of 1865. Oh, that was Veronica's version. These were the old choruses that used to bring us alive because we had hymns. Believe me, after you sang hymns all day, any chorus makes you feel happy. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) But my heart is stirred. Why do you think I write books? Why do you think I write them down? Because my heart is being stirred by a noble theme. My, hopefully, I'm trying to become a skillful writer. Not there yet. Not there yet. But at least I'm doing something with it. For years and years I'd write and write and write. And I used to say, what's the point of this? And I wrote that book, Passing Through, Crossing Over, which none of you have ever seen. It's a big thick one like that. And I thought, what's the point? God says, I just wanted you to get it out of your system. Cheers, Lord. I'd rather have it on other people's bookshelves. No, it's for you, that son. I just want to see if you were disciplined to go through it. To fight. That was the war. That was my war recorded. That was my war and peace. Because I was in war when I wrote it. And when I finished it, I finally came into peace. God wants me awake. God wants you awake. God wants me alive. God wants you alive. God wants me attentive. He wants you attentive to his voice. We each must find our apple tree. Where are you when he gives you something? Where is that place? Where is that place where God speaks? Because God can speak anywhere. But you will find the more you hear God's voice, you're not quite sure if it's your voice of your own imagination or it's God's voice. Well, why don't you write it down anyway and then let God confirm it through somebody else's mouth? That's how you know God speaks to you because when you first start hearing God, you're not quite sure if it's the voice of your own imagination. 
Or it's the maniac in the attic. Write it down and then wait to see if somebody else says exactly what you wrote down. That's a good idea of how you can gauge whether you're hearing the voice of God or not. That's what happens to me. And then I hear other people say, hey, that's what God said to me. Aha, so now you can hear God. Ah, it's not that easy. No, it's not that hard. I say it's not that easy, but it's definitely not that hard. Because if it was that hard, you know, he would have given us a different technology. True? So my son, Proverbs 22, my son, accept my words, store them up within you. Store them up within you. Turn your ear to wisdom, not to the news. Apply your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So the issue is, the key is in the searching. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. Okay, so where am I going to get the thoughts? I'm going to search for them. I'm going to look for them. I'm going to wait for them. I'm going to ask for them. I'm going to plead for them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to cry out for them. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Wow. If I find him, I find his word. If I find his word, I discover him. If I find him, I find his word. If I find his word, I find him. The two are inseparable. Hebrews says, For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. I love this. It penetrates. God gave me an understanding on this not so long ago. It divides the spirit and soul, joint and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitude of the heart. Nothing, nothing in creation, in all creation, is hidden from God's sight. Why? Because he owns it all. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who we must give an account. Now, though the word is living and active, it's not living and active in everyone. Mm. Though the word of God is living and it's active, it's not living and active necessarily in everyone. Go to your next door neighbor. You'll find you go to many Christians. Yeah. It's not alive in many Christians. They, they know about it. They, they might be able to quote one verse every now and then. John 3.16 seems to be the most famous one. That's not the same as the word alive in them. That means they've got knowledge of the word, but they're not, the word is not alive within them. So the key word is having the word alive within us. It's not just knowing the word or having a Bible with us, but the word being alive within us that makes the difference. True? Now, though that word is sharp, or it's sharper, in other words, there's no comparison, it's blade, it's cut, it's depth, it's ability, it's power, there's no comparison. There's no sword on man-made steel or any other material on this earth that can make a sword that can equal or rival this Ability of this word. Yeah. Would you all agree? Yeah. So, now it, look what it does. It, it, it divides soul and spirit. Now, that is an amazing an ability just on its own. For God's word to go into the heart and mind of a human being, which is a very, very complex piece of equipment. God's word can go in and separate the spirit from the soul. 
an amazing thing. It can divide joint and marrow. I don't know if surgery can even do that. And look what it does. It then exposes. But here's the issue. How much is it allowed to penetrate your life? Because if God's word is not precious to you, then it has, its penetration ability is minimal. I shared with you on the first night of the School of the Prophets that I was ready to cancel the School of the Prophets. And I talked to, we talked as a leadership about this. And I was three o'clock in the morning. I'm just about to put the alarm on in the house. And God speaks to me. Who told you that you could cancel the School of the Prophets? Now I'm just about to go to bed. But rather than let me lie in bed, God spoke to me before I got to bed this time. But instantly that word is allowed to penetrate me. So what did I do? It would have been easy just to go to bed and say, ah, it's just my, my own imagination. But I know when the Holy Ghost speaks and I know the envelope method. Put it in the envelope, Lord. If it's your voice, you'll wake up in the morning and it'll, it'll get my attention. Well, it did. It said, good morning. <laughs> so the first thing I do is go back to the elders and say, guys, you have to forgive me what I said. I feel this is what the Lord said. They gave me their blessing. They said, yeah, absolutely. We've got to do what God wants us to do. Why? Because it was allowed to penetrate. Now, there's other areas in my life where it's not penetrating. And I'm consciously aware it's not penetrating, but it suits me not to allow it. I know you're not all there. I'm talking to Christians now. It suits me not to allow it to penetrate me. Why? Because it makes me uncomfortable or it's inconvenient. Don't tell me you're not the same. Because you are. Okay? As you become exposed, have you noticed, when God exposes something, you come alive. It's God shaking and waking. And it's okay for God to shake and wake. It's okay for God to to expose because God, listen, I would rather have God expose something to me privately than than him do it publicly. You know, I've seen men, we've all seen preachers, we've seen politicians where God has exposed them publicly. But they had ample opportunity to deal with it privately. Because God is a merciful God. And God's saying, you know, the clock's on this, Tony. Deal with it one way or the other. Deal with it or it'll deal with you. So then John says this. Oh, where's that gone? Okay, I've not put the scripture before. Let's go back a minute. Ah, don't matter. Let's go to... 1 Corinthians, we've not received the spirit, he says, that's from the world. Yeah? But we've received the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given to us. Now, I put that in brackets, through a developed conscience. Your conscience has to be developed. Your conscience has to be tuned and developed. Okay? This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom. So I'm not speaking to you human words here. I'm speaking to you spiritual insights. Yes? And I'm expressing spiritual truth in spiritual words. Is that fair? The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. Because I am spiritual and you're spiritual, I can explain to you how God speaks to you when you're asleep. It's a spiritual insight. It's not a natural thing. Yes? For they are foolishness to him. Of course it would be. He's thinking, what are you smoking? And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. 
individually or they're not or they're individually questioned by the Holy Spirit. The spiritual man makes judgment about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That makes the difference. Now, the fact that you've been given the mind of Christ, you've been given the software. But the problem is, if you don't know how to install the software and run the software, you still use your old software, which is the natural man, to try and understand the spiritual software. You can't do it. It tells us there, it's foolishness. The man who doesn't have the spiritual technologies on the inside or the software, meaning the Calvary software package, he cannot, he does not know how to understand the voice of God. So he relies on his knowledge and his understanding to get to the same point you've got to. But he can't. Because the natural man does not have the same ability to discern and understand God. It's a spiritual software that you need to run to understand the mind and word of God. That's why you can go to some Bible colleges, and if it's not spiritual filled, it's just a knowledgeable academic, you still won't hear how to hear the voice of God. But you'll know all about God, but you won't know Him. So, one isn't wrong, the other one isn't right. We need both. But both need to be in the same place. It's not one or the other. But if, you, if, you, if you're going to force me to make a choice, I know which one I'm not going to go with. At the end of the day, I want to know God. Not just know about him. And John, have we got it up there? No. In my Bible, John 16, verse 13, he says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is to come. Well, why would he tell you if you can't hear him? If you're not capable of hearing him, why would he tell you what is to come? When we hear that word, he will tell you what is to come. Let me give you another word for that. It's called prophetic understanding. You can't tell me what is to come if God hasn't shown you by the Spirit what is to come. That's called prophetic. If I've not been told, I'm just guessing. Prophetic is a spiritual dimension of which I'm going to say something now and it might offend your thinking or your sensibility. I believe not only Christians can be prophetic. Oh. I believe God can speak to any man and give him a glimpse of the future. Though he didn't say it was God, he still declared what God's heart was. So many men can see in the future. Why? Because when they were asleep, I believe God touched them. Yes. God just doesn't only use Christians. You know why? Because most of them are asleep. You think, well, I don't know how I feel about that. Okay, we'll search it out. Just give me the license to say it, though. It is written, therefore I have spoken. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 13 to 14. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Just stop there. It is written, I believe it. 
Therefore, I have spoken what was written and what I believe. With the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us up with Jesus and present us with him, will present you in his presence. These are spiritual dimensions that no earthly man could ever fathom or understand. That's 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 to 14. And then we see Romans. We've got Romans up here. Ah, there it is. But here's the key here. How precious are your thoughts to me? Watch, let me come back a minute. If you're going to make God's thoughts precious to you, then, where have we gone? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, where, where? By the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You cannot have God's word and your mind running in two different places. If your mind, your mind is your greatest enemy. Your mind is contradictive. Your mind will fight the word of God. Why? Because your mind's natural. Your spirit man is spiritual. It comes from a pure source, but your natural mind is prejudiced. Yes? It sees barriers. It sees problems. It seems fear. But your spirit, if you can switch by your spirit rather than your natural mind, that's when we use faith. Because one seems higher than the other. But with faith, I can bring God's, I can see God's word in action overcome my fears and my insecurities. But I can't do it with a natural mind because this mind, every day, every paper, every newspaper, every factory, every work, everyone is trying to conform you to the pattern and the image of everyone else's expectation. And it's a very powerful force. But we'll never prove what the will of God is if we just listen to everybody else's speculation and thoughts. Yes? God's will is good and it's perfect and it's acceptable. But I've got to come to that place in my spirit by God's word where I say, Lord, I know whom I believe. I know what I believe. And I know who told me what to believe. And we demolish arguments, says Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments. Where are arguments? Arguments in your head. Arguments around you. Arguments inside you. We demolish those arguments and every pretense that sets itself up. Where does it set itself up? In your knowledge. Against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought that makes it obedient to Christ. Wow. Wow. Can you see the whole runway of this? Move it to now. Can you see that thoughts are everything? Are you sure? I'm not sure you know. Okay. Thoughts are everything. Let's get that thought. How many of you would like the ability to number your days rightly? Well, the Bible tells us in Psalm 90 verse 12. Teach us to remember our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. How do we do this, church? By thinking on that which is precious to us most. I want the wisdom of God that guides me so I can 
I'll accurately align my days on this earth. I don't want to waste my time. So, coming to land in a minute. Just give me five minutes. I want to get through this. We've just said the Lord's voice is precious to some of us. We say an action's needed. True? We need a place. When I wake up in the morning, I need to know I've got mail. Because he's going to deposit mail in the middle of the night if my heart goes searching for it. I constantly pray time and time again. Don't always get it, but I get it. Every now and then, I say, Lord, sow something in my heart in the morning that when I'm awake, my spirit will come alive and I can keep that as a thought in the day. So there's two efforts here. One, first of all, is recognizing and realizing, recognizing what you've been given. And the next thing is, can you give it the focus through the day? The two challenges. You'll fail and you'll, and you'll succeed. But have a go, it's fun. So here we go. These are the five things God told me to tell you. I need a place to create and to manufacture new thoughts. You need a place. You need a place and a time to create and to manufacture new thoughts. Why new thoughts? Because your old ones need to be obsolete. You need to get them out. Why? Because you need to renew your mind. So you need a place. You need a place. You need a place. Some of you might need to go and buy a dog. Walk the dog. Some of you might need to go and hire a child. Walk a child. Some of you might need to go and buy a bike. Ride a bike. As for me, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And you don't need anyone to teach you. He's not saying you don't need teachers. He's saying the primary source. Don't get confused here. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, no count of it, just as it has taught you, remain in him. We remain in him by giving him place, Lord. Speak to me today. Give me the opportunity to create and manufacture new thoughts. There's so much garbage going into our minds. So much pressure coming into us from every day. People are saying all kinds of things. I need to create some new thoughts. How many of you agree you need to change your thoughts? I need a place. Secondly, I need a place to land and focus my thoughts. I need a place. So scripture tells us 14 years later, I went up to Jerusalem. This is Paul. Listen to this. This time with Barnabas, I took Titus along and I went in response to a revelation. I've got some new thoughts. And I set them before these, these apostles, the gospel that I preach amongst the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or I run my race in vain. In other words, he's got new thoughts, he's got a new revelation, and he wants to check that he's not going crazy. Yeah. He's got to find a place to land and focus his thoughts. So he deliberately went to Jerusalem. Now, I'm not saying go to Jerusalem to find your thoughts. You know, the hills are alive with the sound of music. Maybe you might need to go and find the hills. But when you, found the th- when you found the sound of music, it needs to be earthed. You need to come down the mountain and you need to be able to find a place where you can then give those thoughts a little bit more focus and you might need to go and get it down on paper, think about it, pray about it, talk about it, openly talk about it. I'm not going to read the next scripture. You can, it's there for your own viewing. That's Acts 17, 17 to 20. 
I'm going next. Moving on. I need people who can lovingly and openly challenge. Listen, I need people. You need people. We need people who can openly, lovingly challenge and rebuke my thoughts if necessary. Why? Because you just might be nuts. Come on. Don't be telling me everything you hear is from God. That's, the, that's one of the most dangerous things you can ever say. I hear from God, therefore I don't need to tell anybody. I, I just know it's God. Well, you might know it's God. Well, if it's God, let us also witness whether it's of God. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him face to face, he says. Why? Peter? Now, Peter's got revelation. He's an apostle. Paul's got revelation. He's an apostle. So now the two titans clash. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself. In other words, Peter's got a different lifestyle now. And I told him, face to face, Peter, you're wrong. One of Gentiles, because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Peter wants to look good with both groups. He says, Jews joined him in this hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Yeah. Woo! These boys were getting deep with their religion. So Paul says, let's hit this religious spirit right on the knocker. Yeah. And I'm going to have to deal with you, Peter, first, because you're the one who's producing this. And I'm going to have to bring some patterns, accurate patterns. And it wasn't, and Paul was, Paul wasn't mithered about doing this. He did it right. He did it honorably. But listen, you and I sometimes need people who will lovingly, openly challenge and rebuke us. To say, it's not the right timing. You're getting the wrong idea. You're interpreting it differently. I think it could be this. I think it could be that. You, if you listen to those people, they can save you being hung. Yes? I need people who can lovingly, openly challenge and rebuke my thoughts if necessary. Moving on. I need a place to shape and expand my thoughts. Yes, not just talk them, but shape and expand them. In this place, I, 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 in this place, I, I play pushing and expanding my thoughts in order to see how much energy and mileage is behind the thought. I need some room to investigate, experiment, develop, deepen and expand my thoughts. You know one of those places for me? The gym. I'm on, the running, I'm on a treadmill and I'm running. And it's amazing how far you can run and how long you can run when your mind's focused on something else. I need a place to fly my thoughts. Support structures are needed as no man is an island. We must become accountable to the chain of command when we independently think. Yeah. My thoughts need to be anchored. I need to be accountable. I can't just walk off and do anything I want. There's safety in counsel. So I need a place to shape and expand my thoughts. I need a place to fly my thoughts. In other words, let them, let them just go wild for a minute. If there's no limitations and no possibilities, how far can you get your thought off the ground? Some of you have got some fantastic ideas, but you've never let it get off the runway. I need to place, I need a place to update and upgrade my thoughts. Now for me, I go to our Global Leaders Summit in Malaysia. That's a place where internally, God upgrades me in my thinking. 
SOP for you. Hopefully that upgraded you and brought you to a new level. Amen? Conferences like that. Conferences that can stretch you. Books that can stretch you. Conversations that stretch you. It's worth getting in a car, driving down the road, miles, hundreds of miles to have a coffee with one person who can stretch your thinking. Upgrade you internally and update you externally. Remember what we heard in the School of the Prophets? Upgrade is internal. Yeah? Update is external. We need both in our lives. We need to be updated externally through information, knowledge, but we need to be upgraded by the Spirit, prophetically, revelatory, on the inside. That comes through impartation. Yes? You getting this? And last but least... Is the scripture that says, Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. If you are going to be awakened, awoke, awakened, then you, my brothers and sisters, need to start with what you think on. How precious to me are your thoughts, O Lord. Now, we all quote that verse and we go, we get all romantic at that stage. Oh, yes, Lord. Well, God, God's saying, well, if that's true for half of us, then your actions don't follow your confession. Your actions must, com- must follow your confession. If this word is so precious, then if you just take those five steps that came into my mind before I went to sleep and put them in an envelope for you, so I could share them with you. If what did I do with that word? I gave it responsibility. I gave it an action. Then what did I do? I came into the into the office, and then I expanded those thoughts. True. I developed those thoughts and I deepened those thoughts. Why? Because I knew you were coming for dinner. You came for dinner this morning and I fed you from his word that he spoke to me on my bed, which I got up, took the action, carried it through the spirit, into the spirit, through the night, got up the next morning, started preparing. Why? I gave it some responsibility. Some of us can't even think past lunch. All all we think about is lunch. But God is saying, I want to awaken this church. And I want to awaken us in every area. The apple tree is such a profound, profound... I don't think we've touched it yet. You keep hearing, but I'm not sure you're grasping. And I've got to ask the Lord, Lord, what do I have to do? Do I have to throw a mallet? Do I have to put fireworks in the church? Do I set the building on fire? What do I do? He says, you do nothing. You just keep speaking. Just keep on distributing the gift of giving you, and I'll wake them up. But you keep speaking. I said, how long, Lord? He said, well, some of them will fall asleep. And it's like Eutychus. You'll fall out the window in the middle of the night. Some of you don't know what I mean, do you? Paul was speaking to a group of people just before he was leaving, and he spoke to them that long. It was all through the night. And one guy was sat there on the window, fell asleep, and fell out the window and died. Now, I've never spoke to you that long before. And at least we put glass in our windows. But the good thing is, 
Paul went downstairs, prayed for them, and rose him from the dead. And said, right, stay awake next time. How dare you fall asleep on my watch? Don't fall asleep on his watch. Don't fall asleep on his watch. Because I'm not sure we can raise you from the dead. <laughs> Come on, let's stand to our feet. If you're awake, stand to your feet. And if you're not, if you're asleep, let the person at the side of you wake you up. When you've got exams, your teacher expects you to think nothing else than what's expected. When your boss gives you an assignment, he expects you to think of nothing else than what he's paying you for and what he expects you to do. True? Yeah. True? Yeah. And we, we do it. And if we give him excuses, sometimes he says, I don't want to wear excuses. I just want to know, did you do it? If we're in the military and we get an order... And we don't advance. And we say, well, it was a bit difficult out there. there was, the ground was all wet. What do you think is going to happen? So when God says, I'm coming soon, stay awake, yeah. be alert. Yeah. What does he say there? Let's go back a minute. Just, just remind you what he said to us. The verse, the main. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. That's where we are. That's where we are right now as a church. Our deeds are incomplete in the sight of our God. And that's why God wants to wake us up. Because he said, I've got a plans and a purposes. And I will not let you guys and me and this eldership fall asleep. God's got a purpose for this house. And he will not allow us to stay asleep on our watch. It's our time. It's our responsibility. And you're here for such a time as this. You may not understand everything. That's okay. Understanding comes in, in, in increments. But you're here. That's God's will for your life. Remember, therefore, that you have received and heard, obey it. And repent. But if you don't wake up, I could come like a thief. Sometimes, let that eat your spirit. If that doesn't wake you up, then you, you really are in a deep sleep. Father, your word has been sown. The table was set, the meal was served. Father, I pray that you would arrest us sovereignly, divinely, unreservedly. Come in, O oh God. Shake us to wake us. Get inside our hearts, get inside our soul. Let your word penetrate. I pray for this double-edged sword to penetrate the spirit and the soul. I pray for it to, de to divide the spirit from the soul. I pray for it to, to de divide the joint from the marrow, flesh from blood. And I pray, oh God, that your word will become increasingly more precious to us than we ever could ever thought or imagine. From this day forth, oh God, put a holy desire to walk by your word, to work by your word, to worship with your word, to warfare with your word. Oh my God, give us this ability, oh God. Let this house become a lamp. Let this house become a fire. Let this house become a runway, oh God. Oh Father, I pray. 
Oh, Lord God, touch every heart. Touch every mind. Awake us, oh God. I pray, Lord, even when we go to sleep, oh God, tonight, that you will sow things into our hearts, that when we wake up, we cannot ignore them. Oh, God Almighty. How precious to me are your thoughts, oh God. If I were to number them, I could not count them. Oh, Father, I pray. For great is your love towards us. My God, my God, my God. Oh, Father, church, I pray that you desire more. I pray that you'll never just sit, settle and just for sitting, listening to me or any of this leadership team, but you come because you love him and worship him and want to generally grow and deepen and develop in Christ. Oh, Father, I pray, oh God, raise your body up, raise your church up. Give every man, woman and child an individual private revelation. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Amen.